You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Start playing with some jam in here. Let's go. This is the Orange and Back Check Podcast with Bill Kornfeld and Scott Weinhard. Yes, it is episode 23 of Orange and Back Check. Still waiting on hockey to return. A guy, I can only imagine what his thoughts are as we get passed through each and every day without hockey. Scott Weinhardt, how's it going, my brother? I've developed a twitch um, in my <laughs> eye because I can't. Right now, we should be watching playoff hockey. It's yeah. not happening. I'm twitching. Uh, bodily parts aren't functioning properly because of it. Uh, actually, no, in all seriousness, I'm doing well. I'm staying healthy, staying home. Uh, wife kids everybody's good um i've actually been you know i've been actually been able to to satisfy my hockey craving believe it or not yeah i have, have been you, able ha- to have you been just like is that your way of staying busy cuz i like i'm a little bit of an exception to what everyone else is doing cuz i still drive into the city for my work uh cuz we're quote unquote essential business and and we're running the radio show out of there out of the city obviously and I feel fortunate because I'm able to get out of the house for about six hours a day between work and, and coming back. Like, do you, is that you're keeping busy? Cause you're at home for 20 hours a day. I would, I would guess. Uh, I'm home pretty much 23 hours a day. Not going to yeah. lie. It's um, you know, I, I, I actually, I work full time from home. I'm actually been really fortunate. The company I work for has been absolutely fantastic through all this. And I've been able to, uh, uh, to work from home. Um, so, uh, that's, that's been a really, really big positive out of it. Um, one of the things I actually do every single day is just when I'm done work and I'm done for the day, I just, I literally get in my car and I drive and I just drive somewhere. I don't get out of my car. I just go down roads. Maybe I've never been down before and just kind of work my way home from there. I live right next to a highway. I'll jump on the highway. I'll go down for a bit just to get out of the house and just to keep it like normal kind of like, honestly, now not to get. I don't want to get political, but you live in Jersey. Yes. And Governor Murphy seems to have gone kind of power crazy, for a lack of a better term. I think he's doing it in the right sense. But he's going, like, theoretically, you could get pulled over, I think, under the, the what he has been doing. So does that freak you out at all? No, because I've been taking drives. I've taken drives 8 o'clock at night, 9 o'clock at night. And, yeah. you know, I've done it. Yeah. Um, the whole point is, like, and it's, it's a, more of a – recommendation and he said that yeah. clearly it's not really like oh if you're out you're gonna get pulled over no some places in pennsylvania are like that delaware yeah, are. if you're if you're not on 95 295 or 495 and you're caught out and you have an out-of-state tag you're getting pulled over yeah that's crazy yeah, it is no and it needs to happen to make sure that you know not to get political but the big part of this that people understand is that there are there's still social distancing that's the biggest thing that people don't understand of how we can – they talk about flatten the curve. We're, I'm not going to go through that because everybody understands what the flattening the curve is. But the idea is the reason why we have to stay away from each other is because that way we don't spread this thing. And yeah. that way we can get healthy and give back to normal. That way the cases aren't being all crazy at once. But the idea is that, you know, there are still people. Look, I know somebody who went and spent – Easter with their family today and I'm like are you friggin nuts and I I just I I can't fathom fact like I I haven't seen my family in a month my wife hasn't seen her family in over a month it takes a toll on you emotionally but the whole thing is is that we know that it needs to be done so we keep them healthy the reason why we have to wear masks out in public now is not to look like an idiot it's to protect 
other people, not yourself. And that's yep. the whole idea with the social distancing is that it's supposed to be protecting others. Stop thinking of yourself. And too many people, I think you're still doing that. So yeah. And, and ran to the political part anyway. But that's have, the point is that people need to get the frig over this and understand is that people need to stay the hell away from each other. We'll get you, back to normal at some point. Yeah. And that's that's what this goal is, getting back to whatever new the new normal will be. Because I don't think – I think there, this is going to change stuff for – the real big picture. Oh, Have yeah, you, but to. like I went grocery shopping at uh, a local giant and in that sense, do you, I, I don't know if you or your wife has gone food shopping for the family, but like some of these companies, man, like they're blocking aisle entrances. They're like, I get what their theory is, is to like navigate people from crossing over and stuff like that. But then it creates this almost bottleneck in a sense and then everyone's on top of each other. And it's yeah. just like it's counterproductive and these companies are – there has to be a give and take of where we take this or how we do this because just these – this notion for this specific giant was just like this is defeating the purpose of what we're trying to achieve rather than achieve it. So at some point, we'll get back to normal. We'll, we'll have hockey and that's what we'll do. And it a month, a month from today or a month, a month ago today – was supposed to be the Flyers against the Lightning after uh, in March. It's been a month already. It's been a month already. Ew. Like I know. Oh, it doesn't feel like that long. It feels but longer. I, it feels longer. But I'm gonna I'm gonna shed some decent light on what's happening. And because of that, because we've waited a month without hockey, Philadelphia Flyers t- players are getting healthy. JVR Thompson. And I'm blanking on the well, Nolan Patrick is still yeah. Sam Morin was the other Sam one. Sam Morin. So I mean Sam Morin and Nolan Patrick probably as we talked about for weeks ago, months ago, they're probably they're Sam Morin obviously because of the ACL. Nolan Patrick's probably not playing again in the nineteen twenty season, no matter when this season, if it starts back up at all. No, I wouldn't uh, be too sure about that. There's still plenty of time if they come back in there like is July. There, there, that's very possible he could be back by then. Yeah. But again, like I've said a bunch of episodes before, don't hold out hope that this guy's going to be the Lord and Savior for a Happy Easter, by the way, and uh, the Lord and Savior for the Flyers if he comes back. You can't put that much pressure on a 21 year old kid. No, you can't. It, it, well, I think I've said something like it just adds another boost to that offensive side. So it would be a nice welcome addition, but. With players like JVR that are getting, they're working out. I don't know how they're working out if they're just at their homes. I know Kevin Hayes has had a. There was a great article on NBC Sports Philly. Kevin Hayes talked about how the guys are staying in touch through Snapchat and Call of Duty, and just when you hear kind of things like that, you're like, "Wow, I could have been a professional athlete and still played my Call of Duty if I had the time." Right. Exactly. I play my Call of Duty almost every single day. That's one of the things I do. It takes up a couple hours of my day, to be yeah. honest with you. Yeah, but- like it's just kind of one of those things where I find myself getting home from work around like, I don't know, 11 a.m. If it, if it was a short day because I'm usually out of there by 10. And it's just like, OK, well, I have eight hours left to go in my day. What am I going to do? Eh, I guess I'll just fire up COD and I'll play that aimlessly for hours on end and I, that's what that's what happens to me my buddies they they'll hit me up and go what uh, are, are you doing reservations tonight like they'll, they'll want me to confirm a time mm-hmm. about what time that i'm going to be jumping on with them and we play almost every single day and it's really it's great it's fun i'm not gonna lie it's a lot of fun but when i'm not doing that in that time i've actually been going back and watching old hockey games and yeah you were telling me about this yeah it, you know one of the cool thing is i've been i've been able to hear this music again the yes. old espn and nhl theme and like i but there's been a lot of games that i went back and watched that i don't really remember when i was younger one that was just an absolute thing and i think that what we're probably going to wind up doing is probably taking some of these recaps that I'm watching, honestly, and just put a, we- a recap on on like one of our social media sites for it, either Facebook or Twitter, just to kind of give you a recap of what happened in some game. Because right now, we should be watching playoff hockey. We should yep. be rooting for the Flyers in the playoffs. It's I've playoff gone, hockey season. The I've, trees are blooming. The birds are chirping. <laughs> I don't have playoff hockey. This is wrong. This is wrong. So, I've gone so crazy. I found myself, NBC Sports Philly has been doing the broadcast of the simulated games through NHL 20 and 2K20. 
or 2K. Uh-huh. And I've t- found myself tuning in for like five minutes. And I'm just like, this is the most absurd thing. I'm losing my mind. One, <laughs> NHL 20 is not a good game. Like it's it's a terrible hockey game from what you've told me, from what I've read and seen. Yeah, it sucks. And it's just like, I'm so crazy for hockey. Like I found myself like this was a little bit of an uh, an additive what they did but CBS today played the final round of last year's masters today was supposed to be the end of the 2020 masters the final round mm-hmm. it was probably what time is it like we would have had our new champion at this point in time but because of covid-19 we don't have it but the nice additive that they had for the masters was Jim Nance had Tiger Woods live via Zoom or whatever they're using talking about shot by shot. It was, so it was cool. So I oh, think you could neat. do something in your what you were talking about. It would be kind of cool to bring back like NHL.com or NHL. I almost said NHL.com. The NHL network is bringing back, uh, unfortunately, tonight, the 2010, 2000, 2010 Stanley Cup final game six, as if I want to watch that. But what I will say. Well, 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 I don't mean to cut you off real quick. If remember a couple about a couple months ago, I remember that Mike Layton explained how that goal got through. Yes, like that's what I was leading to. Like it would be great for Doc Emmerich, the voice of hockey. Like whether we like him or not, I like I love Doc Emmerich. I think like he's the voice of hockey right now until ESPN is able to somehow sneak their way back in. But even then, I think Doc Emmerich would navigate towards ESPN in in that scenario. But either way, like if you could imagine Game Six, we'll use that for example. Get get Patrick Kane, Doc Emmerich, and Michael Layton in a Zoom, maybe not at the same time, but just like they're they're not – nobody's doing anything. Like there's so many opportunities to have these kind of little additives. Like playing NHL 2 – or NHL 20 on NBC Sports Philly is all well and good, but I think there's a better opportunity there. Yeah, and I I watched one of it last week against the Penguins. Yep, that's the one I I watched. Yeah, I watched it. I'm like, okay, I – I love the idea of it. It's something to keep the fans in tune. I, I I love the idea behind it. You're trying to come up with content to fill that space. And did, did you just drink some like alcohol there? Because your no. face got really weird. So I I have a glass of water in here, and I didn't. I couldn't remember if it was mine or my wife's. And it's clearly my wife's because it's like it's not. It's sparkling water, and I thought it was regular water. So I've got my sauce of water right here, man. I drink it all the time. I wasn't ready for the flavor. So that, that kind of took me off guard. Holy shit. Okay. Uh, anyway, you know, I, I was saying is that I love the content that they're trying to do. They're trying to keep it in there. They have like the reports from like Taryn Hatcher and you yes. have Jonesy, Jonesy and, and, and Jim they, Jackson doing the call, which the fact that good. they're doing it for real, like yeah. between that. And I think it was, it would, yeah, because baseball season will obviously be going on right now. Right. Baseball, I think it was the the MLB, the show is doing their simulations also, and they were doing game reports also after each game. And at one point, it was like the sixth game of the season, seventh game. They started adding quotes, like Aaron Nola was at, was doing fake quotes, not him. Like they weren't calling him up. At, like I think it was user the game generated those quotes, yeah. and I'm like. We're losing our freaking minds here. We need sports. We are ju- not only are we simulating fake games to keep our appetite filled for sports, but we're also now adding fake post-game reactions by the players. Like we need you don't realize how much you need sports until they're gone. Like some people are like, "Have you really been surviving without sports?" Like of course we are. Everyone can survive without sports. Right. But at the same time, like it's just nice to get home for the average working guy from nine to five. You get home, you eat dinner with the family, and then you plop in your couch. And at seven thirty, you turn on the television, and you have the game of the week or the game six or whatever game it is of the playoffs. And you do nothing for the rest of the night and just watch aimlessly. That is literally filler. it is. That's literally my life during playoff season. When whether the Flyers are in it or not, it's just I. I love playoff hockey. I watch, I wait all season for the playoffs and yep. I love staying up late. And I love watching the double and triple overtime games. And it it's that it's fantastic. Is that I love it, that a game on the East coast will wrap up around 10. And then guess what? It's flowing right into the West coast games. It's starting like 10, 10 30. And 
you get to watch them and you know I lose a little bit of sleep that time of year, but I, it, it's it's well, so worth it. Like I like I planned the the plans we had for this podcast specifically was just like every game was going to be a podcast reaction. We both, I especially, was going to lose hours of sleep. Like I was preparing mm-hmm. myself for that. Like just to have that fill of sports just seems to be. I don't know. It's like you can fill it like we were talking about Call of Duty and and any Xbox game or PlayStation 4 game, whatever you're doing. If you want to like my wife and I, we started watching um, Shit's Creek. That's one of the funny. That's a hilarious show. It's on Netflix. If you haven't, I, we're it's like five seasons in. We're way behind. Uh-huh. It's hilarious. It, it, we're just looking for random stuff to do. Yeah. And it's like that's all well and good. But then you're at the end of the day, by the time you're 12 episodes in, 11 episodes in or whatever an hour into the playing a video game, you're just like, I just, I wanted to sit here and do nothing for the, and see a good game. Yeah, exactly. And have a little bit of mystery behind it. Like I, I was on YouTube yesterday and I found a game from 1999 between the flyers and the red wings. And I'm thinking, I don't remember this game at all. And like, believe it or not, I'm really a nerd. So I have a pretty good memory of most of the games I would see. Like, okay, I kind of remember this one and, this might might be able to pick out a piece or two of what happened. I couldn't remember. Apparently, it was on a Sunday. It yeah. was near the end of the season, and I they had just played the week before, and I knew it was in Joe Louis. And when it was Joe Louis Arena, I thought right away, I'm like, well, did they win this game? No, they didn't win this game because they didn't win for like 20 years here. So they might be a little tired or lost it. But I remember popping it on and saying, oh, okay, well, we got Chris Osgood versus John Van Beesburg. Chris Chelios just got traded to the, to the Red Wings, and – Eric Lindros was suspended for two games, but that makes me realize that, okay, this is 1999. This is right before his collapsed lungs, so this had to happen a couple of games right before then or yeah. whatnot or somewhere around there. But, um, yeah, that's uh, I, I, that's all I've been trying to do to, to, to remember and kind of watch and keep my mind going. And yesterday, like, I, I'll, I'll watch some other documentaries on stuff. Yesterday I watched the uh, – the Iron Mike Keenan documentary, which was yeah. awesome. Like, you know, yeah. I mean, like I, I'm not gonna lie, I'm a big fan of Iron Mike. I, I like the way he went about and just got told players off essentially. And then strangely enough, an article popped up yesterday that Ed Snyder almost brought him back after he won the cup with the I'm sorry, before he won the cup with the Rangers in ninety four. Yeah. So, you know, I it all it was that was a little weird to see, but that's really how I've been doing it. But the good news is, is that without sports, yes, as much as I love having, you know, would love to see hockey back and have baseball start this time. I mean, there's nothing better when baseball starts at night just to pop on a baseball game and watch that for the night one, especially when they first start the season or going to the stadium for that time of the year. It's the, it's the best, but there's also been also better things that we get done. I, I had so many projects in my yard. I wanted to get done over the last year or two. Mm-hmm. And in the span of two weeks, I got them done. Because I've been going out. Is it amazing? Like, I I look at myself, like, I've cleaned our kitchen, like, something as simple as that, doing a yard work, cutting the grass, laying down feed and weed, whatever it may be. And you're just like, wow, I think that's going to take an hour and a half, and Mm -hmm. you get it done in 45 minutes. And you're like, wow. I I really am, like, I'm I'm realizing how lazy I really am in terms of getting. (laughs) Like, you're just like, I don't want to fold this laundry. I don't want to wipe down this counter. Like, and you're just like, and then you finally do it because you're so freaking bored. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm doing projects that I'm like, I'll do that tomorrow just so I have something to do. Like, I had had a plan today to do a little bit of laundry. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. no, I'll do it Monday because I need something to do. I know that's going to take like 35 minutes, 40 minutes between – sorting it and just throwing it in and then folding it. But I know that I need, I'm going to need something to do tomorrow. And that's, 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 that's what I've come to. I'm yeah. planning my chores in advance. It's going the, crazy. It's the truth. I was just at one point during the week, I, I'm right next to a fence where there's a highway. So like, you know, it's all that state like chain link fence that over the years, weeds and shrub have overgrown it and you yep. cut it down, but you didn't cut it down enough. And then, Finally, I said before bloom this year, I just went out with my head trimmers and just went right around the whole fence. And now that's done. And that's something I usually do mid-spring. But then you realize, okay, like on Sundays, I play league hockey. So that takes up a couple hours of my day. And Saturdays, we usually do stuff where we travel and go somewhere. But now you don't have all that stuff. Nah. And night, at night, too, like when I'm in the house all day because I'm working, I'm at like, you know, 5, 530 when I'm when I'm done for the day. I like to go outside and be like, okay, well, now what? If I don't have a project to do, okay, I'll 
shoot around with the little one for a little while. And then now and then what? I mean, so, I mean, you just find other things to do. I, I have a, I have a basically like a shed that had two dead ballasts for fluorescent lights and I just replaced them today. And now it looks beautiful out there. And like, so it, 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 all these things I'm able to get done. So as we get inch inch farther and farther away from hockey, like I said, today would have been a month ago, the flyers lightning game, uh, I think that was in Tampa, if I'm not. Yeah, mistaken. it would have been. It would have been their last. It was, home, it was yeah. supposed to be a, a a quick trip to the Sunshine State between a, a swing between Tampa and the Panthers, and it's like as we inch farther and farther away, are you becoming towards my side? Like I'm, I've been well known pessimistic about this. Uh, I don't think we're getting hockey back. I think it's over. Um, Gary Bettman talked about um, because the Olympics are canceled, similar to what we were saying, because mm-hmm. the Olympics are canceled, it opens up this gap in August for them to potentially bring back hockey back in a more sensible way w- without causing too many t- television con- uh, conflicts. So are you still pes- optimistic that we're getting hockey back or what's I ha- going on? I, I, I have to be. I'm not going to yeah. lie. I have to be. And here's the why, because – Batman's been one foot in and one foot out. I think you and I talked about that. He's yeah, been one he did foot it again. in. He, yeah. did, he really did he it again. He has to, though. He has to. You and I talked the other Look, day about random things like this. I like, think he could I, – I really think he could safely say, Look, we're, are, we want to play hockey again, but we know for a fact we're not going to play hockey in front of hit fans. I think that if hockey does come back, it's not going to be in front of fans. It depends. I know they were talking about doing some things in like North Dakota and some other areas. Baseball's talking about doing some wild realignment and doing all their games in Arizona, I believe, or yeah. somewhere. You know, I think there are ways to do it. And I think it's because you, you talk about like, you know, there there are no sports on right now. People are trying to find do uh, do things. It's actually a really good opportunity to do that. But however, it's not just the logistics of getting the teams there. You have to worry about getting the people who run the cameras, people who run the broadcast equipment, people to set up the broadcast, all that stuff. You have to get them there. So then you're putting them at risk. You can't really do a play-by-play virtually. I mean, not that I've ever seen anyway. Well, actually, there's a way because I know in like soccer's case, specifically for the Philadelphia Union – their broadcast team sits in a booth in Philly and they just have camera guys out there um, that they take the feed from the other team. So in that sense, they could theoretically do it. Like Jim Jackson's and Coatsy could sit in the Wells Fargo Center. And then if the Flyers are playing, uh, let's just say Pittsburgh that night in the first round of the playoffs, theoretically that's doable, but – it's it takes away from the atmosphere. Soccer is a little bit obviously it's a less it's less on the totem pole in terms of field, in in sports in general. So it's like well yeah. then the question comes up though. Okay, if, if it's available, so who's going to set that up? Who's going to maintain that to make sure that they don't lose connection? Who's going to make sure that all everything is ready to go? And if they have any kind of issues, who's going to be there to fix it? So. It's, it's some of those right. logistic things that I would have more of the question about of how would they pull that off. Well, now, it's, it's, like, it's like the NFL. Yeah. It's completely possible. Like the, like the NFL is bitching about these like, oh, we're nervous about IT guys coming into our homes and facil- – well, they can't go into facilities because we don't want to spread COVID-19. That's perfectly fine. You have email. You have FaceTime. You have Zoom. Like these these excuses of the NFL, this is a little bit – a little bit different, but at the same time, it, it all remains the same. The logistics of the draft in the NFL's case is it like the NFL is c- trying to create problems themselves. I feel the NFL, to your point, I think there's it's yeah, a lot doing that for years. <laughs> yeah, like it's just like these these old heads that like Nick Saban, the Alabama coach, just got email for the first time. I've been trying to figure out email. I don't, and it's just like. Dude, it is 2020. I get you're an old head and you like doing things your way, but you should have had email back in at what 2007? Earlier than that, like, probably. Like I'm just giving him the benefit of the doubt. Like email, Good email, and Twitter God. and Facebook, they didn't really explode until the late 2000s, and it's just yeah, like, but email, email, email. Uh, email? Yeah. yeah, come on, that doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. You know. You know, I I think that you're going to see a lot of this, to be honest with you, is that this is where 
for a while there, just a side note, they were talking about like, oh, yeah, we haven't really had any too big tech inventions and stuff like that. Well, now all these little things that some places would use, like telecommuting and Zoom conferences. My job, we still do Zoom conferences once a week, and it's great. Like, yeah, you know, I get made fun of because I literally use the setup I have now with my headphones and my microphone. And like, what oh, are you DJing good. over there? I'm like, yeah, why wow, not? Like, I have a home studio. Like, I what, use the equipment I have. But uh, the whole point is, is that I think you're going to see some of these things be more mainstream. Okay, so like, if you're talking about like, you know remote play by play might be something that might be happening more often. Yeah. Might be something where, you know, you might see some more telecommuting and more meetings via zoom rather than actual travel. So I think there's going to be a lot of outstanding impacts from this that we'll start seeing implemented now. And that's just, that's what might be the new normal. You know what I mean? It really might be. And and that scares me and it, it, it makes sense to me at the same time, but it's like mostly that would take away the like doc Emmerich, He'll still call the incredible call or whatever, like how he says it, but like him in the atmosphere of that arena adds a little bit more oomph. And it's just like, we'll still hear the atmosphere ob- or the, the, the stadium, obviously, but Doc being there just kind of makes it more authentic and natural. Yeah. yeah. And look, here's the biggest thing. The biggest thing out of the playoffs which get me juiced are the crowds and it's uh, the crowd is what gets me going like it the calls are great don't get me wrong especially when you go back and you know you listen to some of the calls and stuff like that but the way it gets me going is is the crowd and i think the the players really feed off that but the energy in the building after a playoff goal is scored it's just there's nothing nothing like it i mean I've never felt electricity. I didn't actually go to my first Flyers play. I'll tell you a quick story. I didn't go to my first Flyers playoff game until 2008. That was when I went to actually my first Flyers ever playoff game that I've been I'm to. I'm trying to think of mine, but go ahead. Go ahead. They they played against um, Montreal, mm-hmm. and I think it was game three. And they went up to nothing, and the place was buzzing, and Montreal tied it at two. And it just it, it got flat, but – you don't realize you're on the edge of your seat the entire time and knowing that energy and feeling that energy that's that's how it's so easy to get up for those types of games no matter what mm-hmm. the only thing is, is like it would be easy to get on the edge of my seat knowing the impact of the game itself but not having the crowd noise and the up and down and hearing the reaction of the crowd when it's away, especially like when it's away and you score and, and the, your your team scores and the, that crowd goes silent. That's what gets it for me. And I think that that brings out a lot of the motion in Doc as well and yeah, the other announcers. Yep. And I'm concerned about that part being taken away and how much of an impact that really has. And I think that you will see – and I, here's the reason why, too, and I think this is why the NHL might be hesitant to come back with that. Mm-hmm. If it works and people just like, wow, it's awesome, it's great, and most of the revenue is made by ticket sales. It's not by the TV at revenue. So that would really impact league revenues. Mm-hmm. not saying that nobody would go to the games, but yeah. the point is, is that if people realize, like, wow, I can just have as much fun with it as home as I do on TV and not have to go to take and get the game and have all these arenas sell each night, then you're going to have to do what some, some places in Canada do, and they do play they do pay-per-view. So you have to pay for each game that you want to watch on TV. It's no longer free like it is on CSN if you have cable. Right. So that that's that's what kind of concerns me about the empty arena is that impact of it thinking a step ahead of it not just the emotion part of it but it's the effect of oh wow if this is a working thing maybe we don't need to have to sell these many tickets we can sell more on the tv side and then guess what you're stuck with nothing yeah i i don't necessarily agree i think i think we're so i think the biggest thing that's going to come out of this uh, this whole self-quarantining and, and social distancing is when the time comes when we're free, not f- like just able to go wherever we want to go. I think what would happen is the matter, no matter what happens, whether the NHL has to start playing games without fans for a little bit, the NFL, the NBA, same scenario, and be, and we're still in these self-distancing situation. I still think after 
it's let go, everyone's going to go back. Because, like, you're, we're all cooped up here, and we realize, I, wow, I, I really miss my local favorite restaurant. I miss going to the, the local uh, watering hole for a, a, a beer real quick. And it's just like – that I think that is being missed. And to, yes, your point is valid because like it's similar to automation. Like everyone's looking at it like our companies are some companies are already saying, why are we paying X amount of dollars for a building when I can just have my employees sit at home and do the equivalent of their work? And it's similar to that and it, in, in a way. And it's just like as soon as we're able to get out of the house, we're getting out of the house. Like oh, I, I, I don't think I, I don't think. Yeah. I don't think it'd be something where it literally it's not just, oh, no fans are going to go to the games. No, there's people who are going to go. The problem is, is that I would be concerned about if people watch games with no fans in the stands and they get just as much excitement, people might say, I might not need to spend that money right. to go do that, considering that you know we're, our economy is in big trouble as it is already. That impact, I think, would have longer lasting because the teams look at it as how do we collect that revenue that we're not getting from the gate? They're not going to look at it as, Oh, the product is back. They're, they're looking at the part of where do we make the money off of it? So, and that would be my biggest concern with sports and why that I hope that social distancing doesn't last for like the year or like December when they're talking about or August or whenever the latest things are talking about now. Yeah, I would just be really concerned is that, OK, when do when can we back to normal where people want to go out and do those things again? Because you don't want to run into a situation where something that right now, if you're a fan at home, you get a pretty solid deal on. You get to watch a couple minutes of commercials and you get to watch an entire game instead of paying sixty five dollars for it. And plus parking, plus concessions, plus all yeah. that stuff. You get to watch it in the comfort of your own home for pretty much just your cable bill. Yeah. You don't no, want that right. part to go away. You don't want it to turn into like, oh, wait, you got to do it. We got to watch every Flyers game, like a UFC fight, and pay X amount of dollars for it. Like, you know, whatever, it's four or five bucks. And now all of a sudden, guess what? Guess what? You're paying $400 a year to watch just the Flyers, really, or some other team, when really you haven't been able to have to do that before. So I hope that things, when they get back to normal, really look at a fact of, hey, People need to go back and watch these games because they're cooped up and they want to get out. And I don't want to go with just, oh, the empty arena theory, because then I get concerned about that gate revenue and how they can exploit that in another way. Yeah, I think I think that leads to just like the there are some it seems like some leagues. I don't think the NHL is because, like we said, Gary Bettman has his foot in one door and in one foot out the door. And it's like there's other leagues are more. I guess the word is, uh, I don't even know what the word is. I'd like, like in uh, fast pace to get back as quickly as possible. They're not, they're kind of like, just like, we got to get back. We got to get back. And they're not looking at the whole picture because of this revenue issue. Uh, I think the NHL, Gary Bettman, especially probably recognizes the, the revenue issue. That's going to be like, you could, I would bet my, my life that next year's, cap is going down the flyers are going to be impacted all 30 nhl teams are all are going to be impacted and it's just like what does it mean also for future cba negotiations thankfully this one lasts pretty long i believe five more seasons i believe it was supposed to end at the end of next season i think they just extended it for a couple of years but to make your point i read an article in the athletic because mm-hmm. I was looking up because, you know, thinking about this, one of the teams that comes straight to my head when you talk talk cap on anything is Toronto right away. It's, it's just Toronto because they're in pretty much nightmare health. They didn't have all the LTIR contracts. Their cap number would be so high. They have like $91 million on their payroll, but they yeah. have enough money in the long-term injury reserve where they can back that money off their cap. It's essentially like a credit for it. Um, I think that we since we just released the actual goaltending chalk talk after the full day, everybody. <laughs> we got you. Um, we I think the next one might be on the CBA. It's just really hard to kind of explain that on video, so we'll do it the best we can. So give us time to put that one together. But the whole idea is that they're talking about leaving the cap flat for the next three seasons. Now there was projected revenue that was going to go up for next season to allow more cap room. Now it might stay flat for three seasons to offset the money lost in this. So yeah, it that's a problem because if it's not going up for three years, it's going to be good because you're not going to see those contracts inflate. 
But the bad news is team teams are up against it now. They're going to have to deconstruct their roster. So Toronto is going to be a major selling mode. They're going to have to offset somebody like William Nylander, Mitch Marner, or Austin Matthews because they're going to have to get rid of some, or maybe even John Tavares because they're and- paying all those guys close, three of them over ten million dollars, and one of them close to it. And they've they've they're going to be, and they have no defense, and their goaltending is average. So it, they're. They're going to be sellers in order to stay competitive. They're going to go with the Flyers' old method yep. of just putting a Band-Aid on things because they're in cap hell. And and, and and I would say in that sense, in the in, a, in another macro view, what does that mean? Like the the the, the, uh, the expansion draft is coming up. We have Seattle entering the league, which is another revenue source for the league, which is good, but. That also, right now, you're preparing for it. You're building an arena. I think I think they're building an arena. Like they're they're hiring staff. They're they're getting ready for what players are going to be on the roster for them. And it's like, are they going to end up having to push back the expansion a year because of the value in dollars has diminished? So they can't they can't fund a new team right now because they have to recover these teams like Toronto and, and Ottawa, for example, like th- that are just going to be kind of dwindling in the middle or the bottom of the basement, and they're not getting out anytime soon. I, I don't know. We'll have to see about that. That's actually a really good point. But like, Because the expansion draft to- is next season. It's after yeah. 2021. Yeah. And, it, and I'll tell you what, and I, I'm going to eat my – you're, you're going to tell me to eat crow for saying this, but the Flyers signing Konechny and Provorov now before that hit the fan – best move that Fletcher could have made. That contract yeah. that Connect you signed now is going to be a steal because now that that cap number <laughs> is not moving, it, yeah. it's got to be because, you know, it, he's going to have to – they're going to have to keep what they had. Carter Hart's going to be up for contract, I think, after next season. So he's going to have to get a bridge or they're going to have to make a move and move somebody at a decent price, <laughs> Jake. But um, that, that <laughs> might be the case. And yeah, again, it's a rip on Jake and – and not the rip on Jake, you know, but he it, it it's something where at that point, that eight million dollars in cap space is going to be worth more than his production that he's going to put out two seasons from now. Just throwing that out there. So I think yeah. that's something where I, I would say this the Flyers have done a very good job over the past few years, believe it or not, getting rid of players and getting assets in time. Braden Shen was in a great example of that. Braden Shen wasn't really going to do anything here. He wasn't going to be a top-line center here because he had no. Couturier ahead of him. They needed to go in a different route. So they, they traded him, and they get Morgan Frost out of it, and now you've got yourself him. He can play center. He can play the wing. You've got yourself better talent for longer there, so at a cheaper term. So from that perspective, they've done well. They're going to have to do something with Jake, and I, I would not be surprised if he's a piece that goes to Seattle to do something because you're going to keep Claude over him. So – it's something where yeah. you might see that happen there and you can offset your dollars that way because they're going to still have to be active. Carter Hart's going to need a deal. They're going to have to make decisions now on what to do with Derek Grant. I know Nate Thompson was a depth move. They're not going to bring him back. I'd be surprised that he's been a career journeyman. We've seen him for a little bit of action here, but Derek Grant looks like he could do something here and fill out your bottom six very well. So when we get down to the nitty-gritty of it, I know I'm going off the rails here, but the point is, is that there is going to be – top tier talent available on some of these teams that are near the cap ceiling. So if you can make some sort of move and get a guy like Mitch Marner, I, and you're going to have yeah. to, you have to trade someone for him, and you're going to have to make a move, but they're going to be in cap hell. I'd be knocking on the door to those teams saying, Hey, guess listen, what we got cap space. We want X player, give them to us. And we'll, you know, we'll make something work out here. I think they're yeah, going to see some awesome wheel and deal like that over the next little while. Yeah, it's going to come into this like kind of like NBA tanking, like not saying NHL teams are going to tank cuz but it's just like what made the the Sixers work in their tanking years is they were able to call up these teams that had bloated contracts and say, "Hey, we'll take this ridiculous contract off your hand, but you got to give us a first round pick for it right. and we'll, and we'll send you whatever player team like Jake Voracek for in your example. Mm-hmm. And it's like, but in the Flyers sense or the NHL sense is Mitch Marner's bloated contract is nice to have. Like he's a mm-hmm. solid player. You're yeah. paying him a, a lot of money. I don't have the contract in front of me. Oh, but he's he, making over $10 million a right, year. It's a $10 million cap. Ridiculous deal. Yeah. 
But it's like it's a huge bloated contract that the Flyers can probably afford if they move the correct pieces around. And then you get a first round or a second round pick out of it as well, I'm sure, because you'll talk to Toronto and say, hey, we're taking this money off your hands so you can pay the Austin Matthews of the world on your team, the Taveras of the world. And now you're now we're helping you out. You need to send us a better pick. And that's exactly what's going to happen, I think. Listen, you, no matter what happened here over the last five years, you have to give Ron Hextall complete credit for yeah. taking a horrible cap situation that Paul Holmgren gave him, rebuilding this entire thing. And now they're in a position where they have a starting goaltender who's all got one year left on his entry-level deal and be restricted, so he'll get some sort of decent bridge deal there. Really, your only position you really have to worry about right now is depth center your third and fourth line up the middle and maybe on the wing there your third your third and fourth line and your backup goaltender everywhere else you're set so you really got to give credit to ron hextall for well, being ron hextall always ron hextall had always had always said there were three or four i can't remember the exact number three or four phases of what he phases of what he was doing and when it was similar to Sam Hinkie, it's like, you'll know when we're ready to compete, when we're ready to contend. And like, not, we're, we're like, we talked about how great the playoffs were going to be if the Flyers were going to make it. And then they went on this great run. And now they're, they're in second and third battling between second and third place in the Metropolitan. And it's like, you're seeing the, the, the horizon of, of the, the start of that go time for the Flyers. And it's, and it's exciting. And it just, Freaking sucks. sucks we're, we're not sitting here. right now. We should, we should be watching game two or three of the playoffs. I was going right to say, now. this would probably be game two or three, yeah. probably against Pittsburgh, the yep. way things were lining up because and they'd be up two or three nothing. Oh, just, <laughs> they would be up. You know, and here and here's the I, thing. And by the way, by the way, and if anybody watched the goaltending chalk talk, I'm not ripping on Brian. I use Brian up for a lot of examples when things aren't (laughs) going well. I know that. I'm aware of that. It's nothing towards Brian Elliott. It's just that it's readily available to watch when you're watching every single game and say, oh, I noticed that. Let me put that out on chalk talk. Brian Elliott is a very good goaltender. He's done wonders for Carter Hart. He's had a fantastic season, done everything he's asked. So. Uh, I, I really hope the Flyers do resign him after this. They, I think that one of the most important things that a young goaltender needs is a veteran backup. The Flyers would be doing themselves yep. a disservice if they brought up another guy and let just Carter Hart have, Carter Hart have the reins. Because guess what happened last time that happened? Brian Boucher. Okay, Brian Boucher. They cheated John Van Breesbrook. And then what wound up happening is that Bush fell apart because Check Monik was the first year in the league, and he was not really a guy you could lean on for that kind of stuff. And his career just kind of never really took off again after that. The best thing you can do is keep pairing him up. I would not have an issue seeing Brian Elliott play his last couple of years in a Flyers uniform. He's done I a well enough it. job until his body just doesn't allow it anymore. He's still got juice in the tank. I would say probably maybe about two more seasons left in the tank before you really healthy. have to think about hanging up. He's just well, now he is. Now yeah, he is. that's what I mean. Like he's just healthy this season because he's finally in the correct position he's supposed to be in at this point in his career. Correct. Backing up a Carter Hart caliber player, a young guy, just going in and filling in the gaps when needed. Starting, I think we settled on like thirty to thirty-five games, maybe a little less. And it's just like that's his sweet spot. And then when he needs to step in in the playoffs, because that's the only real concern. I think we talked about it. The concern for me going into the playoffs was Carter Hart because Carter Hart, 21 years old. Like, what the hell were we doing at 21? Going, I'm going to take that out. <laughs> we we were twiddling our thumbs and not knowing what to do. I'll edit that in post-production. No one else can see this. I'm going to leave it in, but I'm going to bleep it out. point is we were 21 doing stupid crap on a nightly basis and now we're talking about carter hart who was supposed to be the starter for the philadelphia flyers who if i don't know if you know this scott the fans of the flyers can be effing ruthless to the goalie tender position no matter who's in net if they struggle i don't buy that at all i don't buy that one bit i think the flyers fans are the nicest people in the world in fact they are great i've never seen anybody throw a beer at lindy ruff's head after they lost in 1998 i never saw that you talked about your um the first playoff game that you had in 2008 against montreal heather's my wife's my wife's heather's first playoff game i believe this was her first 
as, as long as we had been dated slash uh, married, was the game, I guess it would be game five, four or five of the Montreal, not Montreal, Washington Flyers game, the game after the debacle with the wristbands. Oh, so you're talking 2016. 2000, yeah, 2016, three, oh, four God. years ago. Well, they won that game. They won that game. Yeah, Michael yep. Neuber shut him out, didn't they? Yep, they oh, won yeah, that they game. They won winning that game, like one nothing or 2 But it was, it was directly after the debacle with the wristbands, and it was just like, uh, do I really want to go? Like, It was just one of those scenarios where I had a lot of questions about the Philadelphia Flyers fans. Thankfully, we went and we had a great time. But that was, that was my wife's first playoff game, so that was, that was an adventure. And listen, I would not worry about Carter Hart at the age of 21 because if you watch the goaltending chalk talk, you will see Patrick Waugh did the same thing. Yeah. And Ward won the Stanley Cup in his rookie year. We just came off a campaign where a rookie goaltender just won the Stanley Cup. It is possible. Yeah. So the I'm not saying it's impossible. Like, like it, it, like my whole thing was, and Carter Hart's actually really different because he has a sports psychologist that he deals with, that he talks to on a daily, I think it was a daily or a weekly basis, getting him through this stuff. And it was like, well, this kid knows exactly what sports franchise he's about to deal with. And it's really intelligent of him to deal with this. So I think it was just a matter of, in the moment, what happens when he gives up that first goal to Sidney Crosby in the slot on a power play? Does he fall apart? I, I never would have expected him to fall apart, but it was. it's always nice to have Brian Elliott to step in in that scenario if he struggled for that first game or two. Fair, but here, that, here that was my whole point. Here, and that's fine. And you know, it's funny. I, I go back to an article I read not too long ago. It was about an older one about Briz Galov, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. And at like, you know, this was when Briz was going through his hot streak with the Flyers, his first season, but when they played Pittsburgh, before they played Pittsburgh in the playoffs, he broke the record for a longest shutout streak in a Flyer uniform. Yeah, it was and like it was three, over 200 minutes because John. Yeah, Van it was Beesrick like two and a half it, games it, longer than that, because John yeah. Beesrick was 227 minutes and 50 seconds. I okay, that right, right, I just read the article not too long ago, but I can't remember Briz's off the top of my head, although I know he passed it. So it's like three or four games in a row. Yeah. However. The whole point is, um, the whole point is, is that in that article, John Van Beesbrook said that coming here for in a free agent contract, he never got settled here in his two years. And he said that in this playoffs against Toronto, now the Flyers barely won that series. John Van Beesbrook had some of the lowest, best stats ever for Flyer goaltender series, but they lost in six games because he gave up the um, Untimely goals, unfortunately. And yeah. I know I'm going back 20 years, but the point is I'm trying to make is that he came here as a free agent. He said, coming here as a free agent, you know the expectations going in, that you feel like you have to do play better. And at some point, it would creep into his head that you kind of have to steal a game. Same thing happened to Briz, that he came in here and with big expectations, feel like he's got to steal everything. Carter Hart doesn't need to do that. You're not because even Van Beesbrook said it, like you're coming up with a what a but a team that nurtured you and an organization that nurtured you same thing happened with him with the rangers and then the panthers and that's why he was able to take both those teams on deep runs because he realized all i need to do is just stop the pockets what they had me here for it kind of got out of his head with that when he when he signed as a free agent same thing with briz briz he never quite understood he thought the media would be like a different story but the media put a lot of pressure on him and people a lot of pressure on him because you signed a 51 million dollar deal they want you to step up and be that guy carter hart's in a completely different situation here People know he's got the talent, and people are starting to see that talent come out, and he's not making big, flashy saves. He's be getting himself in the right position because of his skating ability and being able to make the tough saves. The whole point I'm trying to make out of all of this is, is that Carter Hart only needs to focus on one thing in the entire playoffs. When they resume, when they happen, he needs to focus on one thing, and that's it. And that's probably what a sports by Kai Colleges is telling him. Just stop the puck. Yeah. That's all you need to focus on. You don't need to focus on the noise outside in Philadelphia. You don't need to focus on the noise of, oh, my God, he's he's a rookie goaltender, and we're the Flyers, and we haven't had goaltending in 30 years, and, and we've been through so many of them, and, oh, my God, and all the drama and everything. Guess what? Nobody's really going to give a crap about all that. You yeah. know, and, and the whole thing is he just needs to focus on will be stopping the puck, and if he does and he focuses on his technique, then he will be fine. Yep. And until they run across a team that just outscores them, like a team like Tampa, where really 
he just doesn't have the shot because his defense isn't giving him the chance. That's the only time that there would be maybe question marks. But if you watch the chalk talk, you would see it's more or less as long as he's playing his technique and keeping his skating go, keeping his skating good, he be still working and keeping himself in position. All he needs to do is focus on stopping the puck, nothing else. And I think this kid has done a tremendous job of it already. I agree. And it's going to be a lot of fun just to see the potential of him in the playoffs. God, I hope we have the playoffs. We'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. Let's, let's have some fun here. So last week or two weeks ago now, because we missed a week of podding, podcasting, uh, we started a br- bracket of Curb versus Seinfeld. I am a huge Curb fan. You're the big Seinfeld fan. I have watched more Seinfeld than I ever thought freaking possible. <laughs> so I'm, I think it's a decent show. Curb is better, but so we did our bracket. We're going to do the sweet. We're going to trim this down to the sweet 16. Now we're at 32 teams or 32 <laughs> episodes. Um, I think there's a couple here that we're just going to fill out. Like it's easy. We'll debate them in a second. Okay. Carpool lane versus the contest. I think you got to go carpooling. I, I still think the contest. No, no, it's <sighs> carpooling. Carpooling was like the, 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 the problem I have with the contest is it takes an, uh, I'll keep this as PG 13 as I can. It takes a, an act and just expands on it. Like it, it, it it's a bottom of the bear or lowest hanging fruit joke. And then just expands on it to like try to make it unique. But the whole here's the whole beauty of it though. They go the whole episode where it was mentioned once, and it was entirely interpretation, and it's hilarious. Especially the best part, Kramer comes in, he just goes, "I'm out." That's that was funny. <laughs> okay, I'll that, give you that. that. So let, okay, worry. I watched the carpool lane and and with the with the dad trying to buy trying to get weed for his dad, and then Sorry. all of a sudden he's he goes, "My eyes are feeling better already." It looks <laughs> and he goes, "Is that a hooker?" Like. Okay, I, I really laughed out loud a lot about the carpool lane. The contest is just, it's so unique. Um, let's come back to this. I really uh, think this is going to need a, I think a, a that, I think an easy one that wins is the face painter over Shaq. I think that was one of the oh. funny. The face painter episode is one of the most ridiculous things I've ever watched. Well, you so painted that, your face. Got to support the team. Yeah. <laughs> And it's the devils, and it's just like, what are you doing? Uh, the the best is the scene with the when he screams at the devil, "Don't mess with the devils, buddy. We'll beat anybody." With the yep. devils, the devils. <laughs> Another one that I think is easily over is Festivus over Crazy Sister. I think that uh, was one of the better best episodes, and it's one of the most popular episodes ever of Seinfeld. Mm-hmm. I mean, the feats oh. of strength, all that stuff. I got a lot of problems with you people, and now you're going to hear about, about it. it. <laughs> uh, one that is an easy one for me in terms of one of the crap. This is if this if I was able to do the top sixteen of Seinfeld, this would have not been anywhere close to it. I don't know how you put it in this. I don't want to lambast you. Man hands was horrible. I didn't like that was one of the dumbest episodes of Seinfeld I've ever watched. Like I really tried like the concept of that being funny. I'm like, okay, it's a unique thing. A woman having man sized hands. It's just like, no, Seinfeld and Larry David, you guys completely missed on this. Not uh, funny. I don't know. I, I, I disagree. I think the man hands is hilarious. The way she's cra- cracking up the crab hands. And then but the and fact then she that Larry with the beer, but it, it's going it's up against joke of it. It's going up against Larry Seinfeld or Larry Seinfeld, Larry uh, David versus Michael J. Fox. That was a great episode. I don't care what anyone says. Fair, so the fa- that has to go over man. Uh, I'll give. Uh, or, uh, I, I'll agree. I'll, I'll give it to you. Another easy one is actually these are two easy ones. Junior Mint over Porno Gill and the Hamptons over Mr. Softy. Classic episodes of Seinfeld. I will concede. I think the I don't remember which one he might not even be in this one. I'll I'll come back to it because I like yeah. any episode that has George's dad in it is an automatic winner for me. Oh, like he Jerry Stiller, Mister Costanza is the best. Jerry Stiller is the funniest character on Seinfeld. And uh-huh. I will, it's no question. Like I'm trying to find an episode, obviously Festivus. So let's put the Hamptons over Mr. Softy and then junior mint over porno Gill. That's an easy one. Can I tell you my favorite episode? Believe it or not. My favorite episode of Seinfeld, mm-hmm. not just face painter, face painter is obvious. Yeah. 
it's the it's it's the Costanza doll. It's it's Mrs. Yes. Costanza. Yes, that when I up against a uh, freak book in of Curb, Costanza doll wins it. That was so good. I'll it give was you that. Fantastic. Just the dog. Don't tell me how to eat. Why <laughs> uh, Why eating with your hands? Now the grand opening of Curb is the one where he opens up the restaurant oh. and it's the Tourette chef. Chinese and, restaurant is the most re- recent episode I watched. Not as funny as I remember it being. Like the concept of George trying to get the phone call and all that stuff, and the the people coming in is thinking that they were waiting long, like they didn't wait and they got their table right away. That grand opening I thought was just one of the. It's most, one of the top curb episodes so ever good. made. It's just I cannot believe he can't give the thumbs up because he burned his hands. So he gives them the chef that has the Tourette syndrome and he starts, they all start cursing at the end of the episode. You Uh-oh. couldn't think of anything better than that. We have, you made a mistake, sir. Which You're one ready? is that? Uh Oh, we have Hamptons in here twice. We had oh. Hamptons over Mr. Softy and Hamptons over the doll. So by default, the doll goes over the Hamptons. Oh, and the doll is probably one of my favorite episodes of curb episodes anyway so it's gonna win ending of that show here's the thing the chinese restaurant there's one funny scene which i literally the first time i ever saw it i laughed hysterically and that's what he's going caught right caught right yes and then he goes of course well she she said caught right yes she said caught right i say she's not here i hang up (laughs) and then he goes but you're not caught right of course i'm not caught right that whole scene did it for me which is why i put it in there but against grand opening it does not come close. The Sweet 16, I cannot wait between the grand opening and the doll because the doll was probably yes. the craziest curb episode I've ever seen, especially that ending. The way it ended, it's just – I remember almost I, – I almost peeing myself. I laughed so hard. Like uh, legit almost peed myself. <laughs> the so, other one that I thought was a little bit closer than I thought, but I still lean towards the curb – is opening night versus marine biologist. I thought opening night over uh, just because it's a classic episode. It has Mel Brooks in it. I, I think anytime you have Mel Brooks in, it's going to have a, an edge because he's one of the funniest comedic writers. And it had the producers in it, one of my favorite uh, Broadway plays and movies. And so I, I and think I'm, that holds I'm going to give it to you only because what really makes the marine biologist good is the last scene. And that's, re- that's really – other than that, it's a pretty solid episode – but what makes it is the end, so I will give you opening night. This is one of the better matchups in the first round. Crazy eyes versus puffy oh, shirt. What do I, we do here? I'm How do dying. We do this? I don't know. This might be the carpool lane versus the contest. We we I don't know if we need to let people vote on this or we need to have a coin flip because yeah, I, crazy I, eyes was just here we go so larry david it just right. it, it had me had me rolling i'm holding in my hand a gritty button i just found this this is going to be the quarter okay we're going to do quarter flip for carpool lane versus the contest well, how and are you crazy gonna do that how's that going to end up right because it shouldn't it should it, i don't know if it's going to work because you have the thing weighted on the other side Hold on. Let's see if this works. Let's Doing this live. This- well, we're going to do it live on the radio. All right. Can so, see what's going on. So it landed on this side the first time. Let's see if okay. we can get it. Landed on- so what side was up? Oh, well, the fi- this will be – Gritty's head will be heads. Okay, And, yes. and then the, the, the pin side will be tails. So we're going to use that – I mean, I can just go get a quarter. Yeah, but we're 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 crunched for time here. We gotta we gotta make a decision. Crunch for time. What else you got to do? <laughs> I mean, right. We're quarantined for another friggin' month. What else are we gonna do? Yeah, that's very true. Eating gluten free stuff. All right, so let's let, let's hold off on. All right, so we'll hold off on that. Fine. Okay. Let's next next matchup. I think this is a pretty easy one in my eyes. Let's see if you think the same. Merv Griffin versus Trick or Treat. I love the Merv Griffin episode. I agree. The Merv I, Griffin show so was ridiculous. so good. How did he fit in a side tire set in his department? Yes. <laughs> That's the first thing I asked. Like uh, the next one, I thought this one, this episode of Seinfeld was a little bit overrated, but the concept was good, and that's why it's in here. The opposite versus the Weatherman oh. of Curb. I lean towards Weatherman because of just the concept of what Larry David went through to get the golf tip or just to be able to play golf. 
incredibly funny. I lean towards Weatherman. Okay. It's tough because the opposite is the craziest episode with, you know, George, obviously. Hi, my name is George. I'm unemployed. I live with my parents. And, you know, yes. it's the girl by saying that. Yeah. I, 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 I will say this. Because Larry David goes to extremes, I will give you the weatherman on this because it 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 really is that just a one off for the for the opposite. So yes, I, I'll I'll give you the weatherman, and I will probably give you. I think we're both going to agree on this one. The final matchup that before we let the audience decide the carpool lane in the contest and the crazy eyes versus the puffy shirt on the left side of the bracket. The final matchup in the round of thirty two on the right side bracket. The Invitations versus the Seder. Eileen, I already have my decision. What is yours? The Invitations. Yes. It the has concept, to be the Invitations. It has to be. It, it has to be Invitations. Like I, like I said, some of these episodes, I'm not kidding. I have, I am seeing for the very first time. I have, <laughs> I had heard like, okay, I had heard in passing because obviously it's a show that's been off the air for 30 years almost. Yeah. Like it's, George's wife or fiance dies because she's licking envelopes. Yep. And I have no idea what episode that was. The fact that I got that in the invitations, freaking hilarious. And that, he's so nervous about getting married and doesn't want to do it. He's like thrilled when she dies. He does like, he takes it such the wrong way. It's yes. fantastic. And then like, in another episode, I, there at the next episode, there's another episode in here. I forget which one, if we're having it in the round of 16, is when he uses it her the oh it's a man hands episode it's one of the mm-hmm. better funnier episodes of the man hands when he's using the picture to get women and go into the forbidden city nightclub or whatever it was at the time yeah. one of the funnier concepts i will give them that that was that was the funniest that was the only funny storyline in man hands everything else sucked i don't i didn't under i didn't understand man hands the all. whole the whole point why i find man hands funny really i do is because this 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 lady isn't very unattractive at all. But the thing is, yep. all he's focused on is the hands. He can't get over the fact her hands are like that, so yep. he's turned off by that. That's what I look at hilarious when Jerry goes does these datings. Um, I forget what episode it was, but there was one where he can't remember the girl's name till the end of the episode. Um, there was I forget the name of it, but there was one that that one's hilarious. It's Dolores. Oh yeah. So um, that, oh, but, I, I that was one of the first episodes I watched. I want to say that which, was in which one was that? Marine biologist? Was that? Was that it? I don't I know. Can't remember. Doesn't I, matter. I, I remember. I can't remember that one off the top of my head. But okay, so so, so we'll we leave. also have Palestine chicken and the Kenny oh, Rogers chicken. I, I already had this filled out, so that's why I skipped the over Palestine it. chicken. Palestine chicken wins. Like yeah, that is like Palestine chicken. Kenny Rogers chicken was very funny. Um, the fact that they flipped Kramer and Seinfeld flipped roles and flipped apartments. So Seinfeld started to act like Kramer and Kramer started to act like Jerry. That was a funny concept and, and flip of role reversal. But the fact that Larry David had Jews and Palestinians arguing in front of each other in front of L.A. chicken shops <laughs> there's nothing that's going to beat that. I, like if I were to guess that's going to be in our final four possible final matchup. Like it's just yeah. too good. That is, I tell you what, I mean, you're going to the matchup. I can't wait for next week is grand versus the doll. I think we still got to argue crazy eyes versus puffy shirt, crazy eyes. Just, it, I mean, it's hilarious. And then I look at him like the, the way he looks, <laughs> It just makes the entire episode like you know what I mean, and then he's. Asking, I agree. Maybe I can't say it because you know we're trying to be clean here. You know, maybe replace this with a bitch instead. <laughs> <laughs> like Larry David's trying to give him rap advice. It's just there's. It's fantastic. All right, so we'll post these two, but we'll help the we'll have the audience help us out. You, you can go to our Facebook page, uh, Orange and Backcheck Podcast. We're right at the right at the top page of Orange and Backcheck. Give us a like if you haven't already. Um, so the matchups for you to decide are the carpool lane and the contest, and Crazy Eyes versus Puffy Shirt. The remaining matchups are Costanza Doll opening night, Grand Opening versus the Doll. Palestine is going to go up against the winner of Crazy Eyes and Puffy Shirt. On the other side of the bracket, it's the Face Painter versus Merv Griffin, Weatherman versus The Invitations, Larry versus Michael J. Fox and Festivus, 
And the final matchup is the Hamptons, Hamptons and Junior Men. I think we're unintentionally pretty even in what we in the amount of Seinfeld and Curb episodes. We have. I agree. We just we, which one do we go with Seinfeld from Curb or Frogger? Which, which one do we vote oh, on that one? I went with Frogger there. Okay. I thought that was a better uh, episode. And, and again, and again, anytime Jerry Stiller is in it playing Frank Costanza, Fair it's enough. getting a leg up. You know, and I think that one of it's missing here, which is another really good is the pants tent. I didn't notice that until we did the bracket, but the pants tent. When I think it's one of the one of the earliest episodes. That, would one that was okay. It. So let, let's let's because we have Hamptons on here twice. Would that have beaten Mister Softy? Oh, or uh, the doll? No, no, okay. I don't, I don't, I don't think so. I don't, I don't think the, I don't think, it would, I don't think it would have beaten the Hamptons. Nothing, I don't think, is going to beat the doll. I, I think it's such a great matchup between grand opening and the doll for next week. That's going to be it. a life-altering decision for that one. Yeah, that All one's right. really good. So, I love it. All and right. what, what's the episode where he looks at uh, Jeff's mom through the toaster, and she gets all freaked out, and he gets kicked out of the point uh, of head house in the middle of the night? Oh, I wish I remember the name oh. of that. I want to say it's on here, but I honestly don't I can't remember. remember, but I remember seeing that scene and being like, oh, my God, this is like the worst things happen to this guy. Like I said, I've been watching more Seinfeld on Hulu than anything right now because I have to get an idea of what Seinfeld was all about. So that I, some uh, Curb episodes are going to be my uh, – week for this week all right that's um, fine i'll i'll take i'm gonna go back i'm gonna try to find a couple of those ones because I, some of those scenes are for honorable mentions but yeah I, I think we have some things we have to let people people have to let us know either carpooling or the contest or crazy eyes and the puffy shirt and we'll have to uh let the coin flip from there yeah exactly so that's gonna do it here for orange and back check podcast if you haven't already find us on facebook and twitter orange and back check podcast we're also on instagram send us an email if you have a question for us we're open to a mailbag episode we have nothing else better to do if you want to have a question for us orange and back check at gmail.com uh, we'd love to hear from you what you want to think about the podcast what you questions for us uh for scott weinhart i'm bill kornfeld we'll talk to you next weekend oh my god i went playoff hockey <laughs>